European Hearts Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 38, Issue 33, Focus Issue on Coronary Artery Disease, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Frontiers of Managing Coronary Artery Disease, Bioabsorbable Scaffolds, Regenerative Medicine, and Gene Therapy. Coronary artery disease and its consequences, such as acute coronary syndromes and heart failure, has been a primary target of attempts to regenerate this vital organ with different cell types and or growth and angiogenetic factors. After a hype of excitement early on, the scientific community fell into the trough of disappointment after a series of neutral studies. A scientific statement of the Transnational Alliance for Regenerative Therapies in Cardiovascular Syndromes, or TACTICS, International Group for the Comprehensive Cardiovascular Application of Regenerative Medicinal Products, now tries, in line with previous documents on this issue, to get back to productivity, as outlined in their Global Position Paper on Cardiovascular Regenerative Medicine, Scientific Statement of the Transnational Alliance for Regenerative Therapies in Cardiovascular Syndromes, or Tactics, International Group for the Comprehensive Cardiovascular Application of Regenerative Medicinal Products. Regenerative Technologies launched the promise to expand the therapeutic armament to address major unmet needs in cardiovascular medicine. Although promising, regenerative therapies have yet to demonstrate clinical benefits over standard of care. While the feasibility and safety of regenerative products has been demonstrated, trials and their meta-analyses so far only documented, at best, a trend towards efficacy. The International Transnational Alliance for Regenerative Therapies in Cardiovascular Syndromes, or TACTICS Consortium, was assembled to address the compelling need for a critical reflection on the future of cardiovascular regenerative medicine. The consortium covers discovery and translational validation, as well as clinical applications and regulatory hurdles and funding strategies, and provide recommendations to guide the future application of regenerative products. A far less common presentation of coronary artery disease is coronary spasm, which is much more challenging to diagnose than the common form due to atherosclerotic plaques. Thus, the attempt of Noel Barry Metz and colleagues to standardise the diagnostic criteria in their special article, International Standardization of Diagnostic Criteria for Vasospastic Angina, is a timely contribution. The criteria for vasospastic angina include the following nitrate responsive angina, transient ischemic ECG changes, and documented coronary artery spasm. Adoption of these diagnostic criteria should improve the clinical diagnosis of this condition and facilitate research in this field. Although most regenerative approaches used progenitor cells, gene transfer to create new blood vessels is another innovative approach. In their article, Adenoviral Intramyocardial VEGF D-delta-N-delta-C Gene Transfer Increases Myocardial Perfusion Reserve in Refractory Angina Patients A-Phase 1-2-A Study with a One-Year Follow-Up. 
Seppo Ulla Hertuala and colleagues from the University of Eastern Finland in Kuopio, Finland, evaluated for the first time the effects of angiogenic and lymphangiogenic ADVEGF D-delta-N-delta-C gene therapy in patients with refractory angina. Myocardial perfusion reserve, as assessed by positron emission tomography, increased significantly in the treated area in the ADVEGFD group compared to baseline at 3 months and 12 months, whereas it tended to decrease in the reference area. In contrast, myocardial perfusion reserve in the control group showed no significant change. Anti-adenovirus antibodies increased in 54% of the treated patients compared to baseline. Of note, ADVEGFD patients in the highest lipoprotein A tertile showed the best response to therapy. Thus, ADVEGF D-delta N-delta C gene therapy appears to be safe, feasible, and well-tolerated. The fact that myocardial perfusion increased at one year in the treated areas asks for further development of this strategy, particularly in patients with high plasma lipoprotein A levels. The implications of these findings are further discussed in a balanced editorial by Johannes Waltenberger from the University Hospital Münster in Germany. The classical treatment of patients with coronary artery disease remains percutaneous coronary intervention, except in those with more advanced disease in which bypass surgery is indicated. After Andreas Grintzig's seminal first interventions with balloon angioplasty, the introduction of bare metal and later drug-eluting stents remarkably improved the outcome of catheter-based procedures. However, as stents are primarily useful to cover dissections, prevent recoil and restenosis, their continued presence does not provide long-term benefit. In fact, they prevent normal coronary motion and make later bypass surgery difficult. To that end, bioabsorbable scaffolds has been developed. In their meta-analysis on such stents, late thrombotic events after bioresorbable scaffold implantation, a systematic review and meta-analysis of randomized clinical trials, Patrick W. Soroys and colleagues from Imperial College London in the UK compared the long-term safety and efficacy of bioresorbable vascular scaffolds with the Everolimus eluting stents in five randomized trials involving 1,730 patients. Patients treated with absorb bioresorbable vascular scaffolds had a higher risk of definite and probable thrombosis compared to those treated with Everolimus eluting stents with an odds ratio of 2.93. Very late device thrombosis occurred in 1.4% of patients with absorb scaffolds but only in 0.5% with Everolimus eluting stents. Of note, 92% of very late device thrombosis with bioresorbable scaffolds occurred in the absence of dual antiplatelet therapy. Patients treated with absorbed scaffolds had a trend towards higher risk of target lesion failure driven by a higher risk of target vessel myocardial infarction and ischemia-driven target lesion revascularization, but not in the risk of cardiac death. Thus, compared to Everolimus eluting stent, the use of absorb bioresorbable scaffolds is associated with a higher rate of device thrombosis 
and a trend towards higher risk of target lesion failure. As such, these results impose caution on operators to use such devices outside defined registries and trials until scaffolds have been further developed into safer products. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.